Thank you, Kira. You guys can decide whether or not my face is ever fixed or not. When I was eight, my brother played tennis. Any tennis players here? So my brother was playing tennis in a tennis tournament, and I was balancing the ball off the back of the grandstand. And, you know, the top of the grand, it was probably as high as these wooden pillars are in this room. And so the ball hit a sidewalk crack and bounced off. I'm eight, right? So what does an eight-year-old boy do when he doesn't want to walk down the bleachers? He jumps off the back of them. Except my foot caught the crossbar about halfway down, and it pulled me forward, and I slammed into the cement. So I put my hands out, broke my wrists, slid on my face. It was not a good day. So thank you for the warm introduction and the fun fact. I know many of you, uh, I was at fall conference with you last year. For those of you I don't know, it is great to see some new faces in here. I remember when RUF was like the first three rows. Isn't it cool to see what God's doing in RUF? It's awesome. So Brent told me that I get to come and speak on the good news after you've just been pummeled with bad news for, what, four weeks? So here we go. Ricky gave you the bad news last week. So here's the good news. Romans chapter 3, if you have a Bible. Romans chapter 3, 21 through 31. Many commentators have said that if there's ever a passage of the Bible that you need to memorize, you need to know, a passage that is the heart of the heart of the heart of what the Bible is all about, it is these ten verses. So listen to them as I read them. Romans chapter 3, 21 through 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to receive by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is God's holy word. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, to us, it just looks like scribbles on a page, black words on a white piece of paper. But it is living and active. And you use the softness of your word to pierce our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray in the moments that we have together that you'll do that. You'll show us the beauty of the good news that we found sunken into the first portion of the book of Romans. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Rami Amis, swimming. Yik Pur Biel, the 800-meter run. James Nang Hajik, 
the 400 meter run. Jonas Kind, a marathon. Angelita Naha, Nohalith, the 1500 meter run. Rose Nathike Lakonin, the 800 meter run. Paulo Amutin Lakoro, the 800 meter run. Yolan Bukasa Mabika, judo. Yusra Mardini, swimming. Popoli Masinga, judo. These 10 athletes were selected to compete in the Olympics in Rio. But there was a problem. They had no country. They had no home. They had no flag. They were refugees. They were torn from their country or kicked out through genocide or famine, political coup, and they were on the run. And rescued from war and civil unrest and political instability, these ten athletes were given safe haven under the International Olympic Committee flag. They were given a flag of good news. Listen, do you hear me? What's the problem that these ten athletes had? The very same problem that you have and that I have. We are wanderers and nomads. We are people without a country. We had a country. It's a pretty dang good one. But we chose to leave our good king. We chose to turn our back on his good and right commands. And we chose to leave our country and to be refugees in the world. And our problems now are not that we just can't get into the Olympics. Our problems are illicit sex. And our problems are our thirst for control. And our problems are pride. And down and down the spiral we go. You've heard Brent and you heard Ricky last week talk about the very first part of the book of Romans is all about the bad news, right? And Brent said two weeks ago that we need a flag of good news. And we hoist that flag here in Romans chapter 3, 21 through 31. Brent said the goodness only shines bright when it's put in relief against the darkness of the bad news. So, let's hear some good news. You want to hear some good news tonight? You need a flag to stand under because you are homeless and you are a wanderer and you are a refugee to sin. You know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. We do not need illustrations of Romans chapter 2. We just have to look ourselves in a mirror. So... What is our flag? How do we qualify to be under it? And why does it even matter? What is our flag? Verse 21, it says, but now, but now, 
The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for everybody who believes. Righteousness. That's a big Sunday school word. Many people hear the term thrown around all the time. He's a righteous dude. It was a righteous decision. Righteousness simply means a validating performance record that opens doors for you. How many seniors are in their room? All of you know what it's like to begin to get your righteousness together. You've got like seven months to get it together. Because when you go for a job, you pull all of your righteousness together on a piece of paper called a resume. Or a CV, depending upon where you're going into school after this. And you hand it to your employer. And you say, here I am. Here's my righteous record, my academic record. And they will give you a job in response to that. And we've been doing the same thing religiously for since the very beginning. Here is my moral record, God. Don't you see me? I'm at RUF on Wednesday night. I could be out drinking. Oh, won't you love me because I'm a good person? There is, in, if you ever go to New York City, you know on Fifth Avenue, right across the street from Rockefeller Center, there is this amazing statue of Atlas. Have you ever seen it? If you've been there, Atlas is holding this huge globe on his shoulder. It's a perfect picture of the TU student. The weight of the world is on their shoulders. Not to mention the weight of their heart. And their struggles. And your struggle with depression. And your struggle with food. And your struggle with porn. And your struggle for friends. And your exhaustion of always trying to navigate and control your social profiles. It's exhausting. Atlas with the world on his shoulders. There it is. Just Google Atlas Fifth Avenue and you'll see pictures of it. Into this, Paul writes, but now. It is the greatest interruption in the history of religion that has ever been written. Paul says, but now. It's a bombshell that drops. And he says, there is not just a good record that you can present to a God who will forgive you. There's not just a good academic record you can present to get a job with him. There is something that has to be given to you. And Paul says, but now the righteousness of God has come. When Martin Luther was a young, not much older than you are actually, when he was a young student and he was a Roman Catholic monk, he was the monkiest monk, he said, who ever monked. And Luther began to study the scriptures. In the early church, many of you know that they read the Bible in the Latin. And justification is the word justificare. And ficare, for all of you Latin scholars, means to make. Right? You don't know. It means to make. And so people read the Bible for centuries thinking that when it talks about God's justifying work in the Bible, it means that God somehow wants you to make yourself righteous. But what Luther discovered is that actually the real Greek behind the Latin translation, the real Greek word is diakosune. And it doesn't mean to make righteous, it means to count or to credit or to proclaim as righteous. 
And so here, when Luther read this, he read it in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, and again, he read it in Romans chapter 3. But the righteousness of God has been manifested. It is a declaration that is given to you. It is God saying to you, I declare what is righteous. I declare what is righteous. You cannot earn your righteousness because how would you possibly ever earn it? When I was a sophomore at a and I went to A&M, and when I was a sophomore at A&M, we loved, we had a whole year of pranks. And so we decided that it would be really funny to buy as many Dixie Cups as our Super Walmart in College Station had on their shelves. And to fill all of them up as full as possible and place them in a girl's dorm that we really thought was just a fun, like a little sister to us, right? So we decided that we would get five guys, and we got this train going where we had filled Dixie Cups up from her bathroom. I won't tell you how we snuck into her dorm, but we did. And then we get we filled 100 Dixie Cups, 200 Dixie Cups. We laid them on her loft. We laid them on her carpet. 300 Dixie Cups, 1,000 Dixie Cups, 1,400 Dixie Cups. We filled 1,600 Dixie Cups up. And we placed them very carefully in a precise order so that she would have to get the trash can in the middle of her room, dump them out, carry the trash can to the sink. It was like, it was, a, it was amazing. Except we thought that she was just going to be away for one night. She didn't tell us she was going to be gone the whole week. And do you know what happens to soggy Dixie Cups? It was not good. (laughs) So she comes home after a week of being gone, and we didn't hear from her. We just thought she was mad at us. And she was like in Dallas. And she sees her room, and she picks these Dixie Cups up with this soggy bottom, and every single one of these 1,600 Dixie Cups broke on her. We had no righteousness. And we had to earn our righteousness back with her over two years. What Romans chapter 3 is saying to you is that you have no righteousness of your own. And if I had to earn my way back with my friend after two years, begging and pleading her forgiveness for being... It was really funny. Begging and pleading her to accept us back as friends. How much more does an infinitely holy God expect in return for our utter, despicable, heinous sin? It's infinite. There's only two ways to be saved. You can be perfect, plan A, or plan B, is that you need to have a righteousness that is not your own. It is extra nos in Latin. It is outside of yourself. It is a righteousness that is alien, that is given to you. The ten athletes that were in the Olympics were awarded free of charge a trip to Rio. They were awarded a banner under which they could walk in the opening ceremonies. Did you see the opening ceremonies? These amazing stories of these athletes walking amongst all these other countries. And here they were, vagabonds, refugees, people without a home. And they walked into the opening ceremonies because of the grace of the IOC. They had a flag of good news. 
And your flag of good news and my flag of good news, the only flag of good news we have is the righteousness of Jesus. And it is offered to you freely here. There's no God outside of Christianity, Isaiah 64.4 says. There's no God like you, Isaiah says. No eye has seen or ear has heard or no one has perceived a God like you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Every other religion, you can knock on the door, you can go through the five pillars, you can weigh yourself out. And even in Christianity, and especially in college, you can begin to think that if I only do this Bible study, if I only come to these Wednesday night meetings, then you begin to exhaust yourself. But the good news is that God gives you an alien righteousness. And he gives it to you not based upon your own moral self-effort, but upon Jesus's. The flag of good news is the righteousness of Jesus under which you can be safe. That's good news. But second, how do we qualify? Verse 22 through 26 explains this. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. There it is, justified. Declared righteous, reckoned, counted whole, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The word redemption just means to buy back, like we had to buy back our friend's friendship over years after the Dixie Cup debacle. The word propitiation means to absorb the wrath of someone through a sacrifice. In the ancient world, if there was bad weather, then the pagans would sacrifice a virgin to appease the weather god. In Egypt, they would sacrifice a firstborn child to appease their god. Maybe if we sacrifice enough, we suffer enough, then they'll be at peace with us and they'll show us mercy and favor. Any of you dating here? Anybody dating in here? Okay, I know that's a hard question to answer. There's some nervous hands going up. That's a hard question. That wasn't fair. Okay, those of you who are dating or who want to be dating, imagine this. What if your boyfriend or girlfriend, what if your best friend, what if your best friend decided to start dating your boyfriend or girlfriend? Mistake, right? It would be horrible. There's no good way around that. In the history of college ministry, there's no good way around it. But when that happens, somebody has to suffer through that, don't they? Either you suffer because you're so hurt by it, or they suffer because you make them pay for it. There's no other options. Either you suffer or they suffer. But somebody has to pay, right? That's what the word propitiation means. It means somebody has to pay by absorbing the blow through a sacrifice. And either you absorb that blow or your friend absorbs that blow. Somebody has to absorb the blow. And for millennia before this, the Apostle Paul was ministering. People would appease their gods by offering a sacrifice of as innocent as a creature as possible. And here Paul says, listen, it is only through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God 
put forth as a propitiation. I'm going to read that again. God put forth Jesus as a propitiation. Friends, we will think about that for billions and eons of years in glory. It is the best news in the world. God would have been perfectly just to have left his white hot wrath on each of us as sinners. My friends were perfectly justified in leaving their wrath on me as one of the idiots who put 1,600 Dixie cups in their bed, in their dorm room. But you know what God did that was so amazing and so remarkable? Is that God had passed over sins in the Old Testament. Did it ever bother you that like David like slept with Bathsheba and God just said, Whoa, okay. And he didn't just kill him. Did it ever bother you that David then just goes and kills Uriah? And God just goes, huh, that sucks. Did it ever bother you that reading the Old Testament, God never exacted justice on those Old Testament saints who sinned? Why? Oh, because God was saving up his wrath. Because God sent a Redeemer. Because God had a propitiatory plan. And God didn't take and put as a sacrifice some innocent virgin or some innocent child. Do you know what God did? God sacrificed his most prized possession. His son. And do you know that he did that for you? Not the person next to you. He did that for you. God himself took on the payment of his own wrath and absorbed the blow in himself. We can think about the Holy Trinity for for months. It will boggle our mind. But we do know this. It is a beautiful doctrine to believe. Because on that cross, you saw the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the first time broken. Because God poured out his white hot wrath on his son. And his son absorbed every addiction of every sin. Of every transgression on himself. And God paid it for you. The mechanism of how Christianity works, how we come under this great flag, is through this beautiful word propitiation, where Jesus absorbed the white hot wrath of his Father, so that at the moment when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His father did not answer. Can you imagine being in fellowship with someone for eternity? And you pick up the phone and nobody is home. Imagine how scared Jesus was. He was God. And yet he was man. He could pay your infinite debt. And he could also represent you. The flag that we fly under, or that flies over us, is the righteousness of Jesus. And we qualify because Jesus was our propitiatory sacrifice. 
Thomas Hooker, who's an old Anglican in the 16th century, said, Let it be counted as folly or frenzy or fury whatsoever. It is our only comfort, our only wisdom, that we care for no knowledge in the world but this, that God has made himself our sin and that we have been made his righteousness. Therefore, we are in the sight of God the Father, as is the very Son of God himself. Or as another philosopher, Emil Brunner, said, Justification means this miracle, that Jesus takes our place and we take his. How do we qualify? Jesus took your place. So why does this even matter? Why does it even matter? Look what Paul says. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, because by a law of works, nobody can measure up to God's righteous standard. But by the law of faith. If we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Do you know what a boast is? Some of you are on fall retreat. I, I actually talked about this at fall retreat last year. Do you know what a boast is? A ritual boast. A boast is a taunt. Do you know how, like before team football games, the coach huddles all the players up and he says, We're going to go out there and we're going to rip their heads off. And we're going to get a first down in every play. And we're going to, our band is going to kick their band's butt. And where are we going to draw? And they get everybody riled up and they go out. It's like in the ancient days, the men before battle, right? They would come together and they would say, we're going to go out there and we're going to kill them. We're going to send our wives and our babies, and we're going to kill those guys. And the only way that you can convince grown men to run into certain death is to have a ritual boast. And so Gideon and the Midianites, he said, we're going to go out there, and we're going to take the Midianites because the Lord is on our side. And they all go, roar, and they all run out, and they all fight for the Lord. Paul says your boasting is excluded. Why? Because every single one of you boasts in something. And the item that you boast about changes with your maturity and with your growth. But you still boast about something. And what Paul is saying is that I want you to boast. Oh, I want you to boast. But I don't want you to boast in your own righteousness. I want you to boast in the righteousness of Jesus. Because his banner over you is love. He's mighty to say. Your Savior sings over you. He's not angry at you. So 1,600 Dixie Cups, like He's not angry at you. He loves you. And when you can begin to boast in the righteousness of Jesus, do you know what that is called? That's called faith. And until you can boast in Jesus' righteousness, you've never had faith. You've had religion, you've had going to church, you've had understanding the gospel intellectually, but you've never actually believed it. Until you can lay your boasting down, until you can say with the Apostle Paul that my boasting is excluded. And I boast in nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ. That is faith. You know what that does to you? It makes you amazingly free to be you. Because Jesus loves you. And you can't be loved any more than that. 
Nothing you can do can take away His love. He's given you all of Himself. So it allows you to be able to love your friends better. To be a better friend to them. To hold their feet to the fire in ways that they need to be told the truth in love. It helps you be a better student because you're not trying to earn good grades because you think by earning good grades that you win your identity. Your identity has been given to you in Jesus. And therefore you can go and be a good student. And sing as you walk into your exams. Sing. Even when you get the D, you can sing. Because Jesus Christ gives you an A+. Plus. Because when the Father looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees a hundred. Hey, you see my friend Johnny? What did Johnny get? Oh, we got a hundred, Father. What did Susie get? Oh, she got a hundred too. And old Mary Jo, who worked her entire life to make God love her, trying to make a hundred on every one of her Sunday school exams. Well, how about Mary Jo? Who? I don't know, Mary Jo. Her boasting wasn't excluded. Paul says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Friends, like the refugees in the Olympics, once you understand your justification in Jesus Christ by his righteousness, you should make taunts. You can enter opening ceremonies under the flag of his love for you. The righteousness of Jesus for sinners. No better flag is there over which you walk. Under this flag of good news, you're safe. Under this flag, you are loved. Under this flag... You should boast all the more in Christ's incomparable beauty. May we never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you will help us boast in your righteousness not in our own that is good news help us to believe it in Jesus name Amen